Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our producers, Meg Doster and Colin Yee. On this week's episode, we have four special guests. We will be chatting with Daily Iowa news reporters Anthony Neary and Allie Lipsit. We will also check in with news reporter Sam Nupp on his story on the Corridor Entertainment Group and how it has expanded during the pandemic. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, February 11th edition of On the Record. In case you missed anything from last week, the DI's top headlines can be found on our website at dailyiowan.com. News reporter Anthony Neary wrote a story this week on how a new Master of Midwifery program will be introduced at the University of Iowa and the impact administrators hope it will have in the state and on campus. Welcome, Anthony. We are excited to have you on this edition of the podcast. How is your day going? Going pretty good, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Good. We're excited to have you. And could you start by explaining what this new program is and some of the main features or goals that it has? Sure. So the program is called the Master of Midwifery, uh, Midwifery, sorry, program. And it's a five semester education that certifies students to become nurse midwives. It's also a hospital based program. So it will have a lot of in-person advantages that maybe other midwifery programs don't have that are just taking place in classrooms. Uh, It'll also provide students with tools to become certified nurse midwives, which is a kind of very participatory and uh, responsive type of maternal care. Yeah. And so where exactly is the university in the process of establishing this program? How long will students study with them for and when are they hoping to see the first graduates from this program? So as of right now, the program's in its pre-accreditation phase, meaning it's being reviewed by the Accreditation Commission for Midwifery Education. And they're pretty much ascertaining whether the program includes all the necessary elements of a midwifery education. The program will be five semesters long, as I've said, and right now they're hoping that it'll be opening uh, this coming fall, this upcoming fall. Yeah, so it's it's coming up it's very, very soon. And what kind of role will the midwife nurses play in Iowa across the state once people start graduating from this program? Yeah, so one of the main goals of the program is to have more nurse midwives for rural areas in Iowa because they're sort of deprived of a lot of maternal care that they used to have. And also it's frequently the case um, because they're deprived of that care that rural populations will have to commute extensively to attend their prenatal checkups and appointments. So they're hoping through the program that certified nurse midwives will be an answer to that lack of maternal care in rural areas and that women won't have to commute as far. And so you kind of started answering this question, but why is it important to have more maternal health options and resources within Iowa? Well, yeah, as I've said, because there's kind of a lack of that in rural populations. Within uh, Iowa in general, roughly 30 labor and delivery units across the state have closed um, over the past two decades. And additionally, the maternal mortality rate in Iowa has spiked from 20 to 39 deaths over a three-year period from 2015 to 2018. So Uh, there's a real need for this kind of uh, service, especially because nurse midwives are trained for things that average nurses and direct entry or untrained midwives aren't trained for. Yeah, so definitely something to offer, something exciting to see as there are graduates from this new program. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Anthony, and sharing your story with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Next, we have news reporter Ali Lipset, who wrote a story on what quarantine options look like for students at the UI living in residence halls who have contracted COVID-19. Welcome, Ali. We're excited to have you on the podcast for the first time today. How has your week been going? It's been good. Um, a little bit hectic, a little chaotic, um, but that's kind of how all weeks are. So, Well, it's good to start getting in a rhythm. And so... <laughs> 
what are some of the options that students living within UI residence halls have for quarantining if they contract COVID-19 this spring? Yeah, so all students um, living in the residence halls and on campus in general are encouraged, strongly encouraged to self-report themselves through the University of Iowa website if they are either testing positive or even if they've been exposed to somebody who's tested positive. Um, and once they do that, they're sent an email with a long list of options. And basically, you really have the option to either quarantine on campus. And so they have quarantine dorms in Burge Residence Hall, Courier Residence Hall, Mayflower Residence Hall, uh, Slater Residence Hall. Um, I want to say they have it at, I think that's the only ones. I might be missing one or two, but it's not all the quarantine dorms. So uh, once you test positive, you're moved to your respective quarantine dorms. So whichever one aligns with um, your gender and whichever one you're closest to. And most students are choosing right now to quarantine off campus, which is another option. And once you decide to quarantine off campus, it's up to you to figure out your own meals, to figure out where you're going to stay, uh, et cetera. But that's kind of how the process goes once you test positive. Yeah, seems kind of complicated, but like there's a system ready for those students. Yeah. And so who did you talk to for the story and what were some of their reactions or perspectives? to the quarantine dorms? Yeah, so I talked to three freshmen who are living in the residence halls currently. And so one of them, Alana Hutton, she quarantined off campus. And so she tested positive and she asked some of her friends who had been in the quarantine dorms for advice on what to do. She wasn't sure if she wanted to quarantine in the dorms, if she wanted to do off campus. Um, her main thing was that she takes school really seriously. And she had heard that some of the quarantine dorms were having Wi-Fi issues. And so she was worried that if she was to self-report herself and then quarantine on campus in one of the residence halls, she was going to be unable to keep up with her schoolwork. And so she decided to quarantine in a hotel due to that reason. Not only solely that reason, there were a couple other ones as well. She mentioned that some of her friends had said that the food system wasn't that great. And so she was really prioritizing school. And so that's why she decided to quarantine off campus. And then I had another another freshman, Nicole, and she, she quarantined off campus as well, pretty much for a similar reason. She told me about how one of her friends, her close friend, had tested positive and uh, on her Snapchat private story like she was posting all these things kind of like a vlog I guess it was like a little influencer thing and she was really really unsatisfied with the conditions once again the food was like a big thing for her and so she decided that it would be best for her to quarantine off campus and so she went back home she was from Iowa so luckily it was easy for her to be able to get picked up and taken back home which isn't a luxury that a lot of students have as we know the University of Illinois or University of Iowa has a lot of Illinois students and it's really really difficult to get back to Illinois after you test positive but luckily she was able to quarantine back at home and then I spoke to another student also a freshman Amy and she actually quarantined on campus kind of what I was just talking about before she's from Glenview Illinois so it was really unrealistic for her to be able to go back home it just wasn't gonna work so she really had no other option and so she quarantined in the Slater Hall um, residence dorms she lived at Slater so she quarantined at Slater if she had lived at Hillcrest she would have come to quarantine at Slater because Hillcrest doesn't have a dorm but yeah she stayed in the dorms and she wasn't completely unsatisfied with the conditions she mentioned that like she had some issues with trash bags and she called them and she was able to get her trash bags back pretty quickly but she was mostly again unsatisfied with the food situation so the way that it works is they send you a link to the menu and it's the dining hall food so it's pretty much the same thing that everybody else gets just you don't get the same variety uh, you don't get everything that everyone else gets so her issue was kind of that she wasn't able to eat a lot of the food just because she didn't like it and she didn't have that many options which 
then led her to not eating that much, which is not good in general, but also not good for somebody who's, you know, staying home for five days and is solely supposed to be focusing on schoolwork and you just have so much going on during that time. So she was, again, disappointed with the food situation. And she also didn't have a way to like heat up food or heat up like tea. She mentioned was a big thing for her. She really wanted to be able to heat up tea when she was sick. I mean, we've all been there. Like you just want like hot food when your throat hurts. Um, And she was unable to do that. So that was something that was a little bit unsatisfying for her. And she didn't hate the experience. She didn't love it either. She said that she wouldn't recommend it. She would recommend that if you do have an easy, efficient way to get home and quarantine at home or to quarantine off campus to do that instead. Uh, Sort of like how Alana was from, I'm not sure she was from Illinois, but she's not from Iowa. She was from pretty far. And so she was unable to get uh, back home. And so she ended up quarantining in a hotel rather than the quarantine dorms. And what were some of the reactions from housing and dining staff after hearing from students and hearing about these not so excellent experiences? I spoke to Von Stange, who sent out a newsletter or an email, I guess, kind of the beginning of the pandemic when everything was really fresh and new and people weren't really sure how to react to it yet. Universities weren't really sure what to do with the students who were testing positive and they were testing positive at such rapid rates. Um, So he sent this out in August of 2020 because the Iowa Public Radio actually published a story about quarantine dorm conditions at the University of Iowa. And like you had students describing it as hell. I mean, students were saying that they weren't getting their food and that they were just having issues all around. And so he sent out this email apologizing. And basically uh, the summarization of the email was just that he was saying that conditions of the quarantine dorms were not at all reflective of the university's capability to serve their students and that he was really going to try to do better. And the university was going to try to do better to make sure that students were having positive experiences at the quarantine dorms. He described it as like the first experience and like the first trial. So this was like the first, you know, kind of like the test run. Nobody was really sure how to handle it yet. Um, And so when I spoke to him about it, he said that he thought that now um, in 2022 with the Omicron virus and everything that um, that students would have a more positive experience in the quarantine dorms. But at the end of the day, he kind of described it as me as like, you know, you're you're coming from this room that you've lived in for the past couple months. And especially for freshmen who are just getting here and like you finally have accumulated and you, you know, moved all your stuff in and you've it's finally started to become home to you, you know, and then all of a sudden you test positive and you're moved out and you're moved to a random quarantine dorm with possibly a random roommate. You know, you don't have the decorations on your wall that you have in your dorm and you don't have all your stuff, all your miscellaneous, um, your TV, video games, etc., stuff like that. And so no matter what, at the end of the day, you kind of are stuck in this like really uncomfortable position where you're in a new place and it's dark and it's scary and you're alone. And so sometimes that like does prevent you from having like an overall positive experience. So that was kind of his take on the situation. But he did say that the university was trying as hard as they could to express that students could communicate with them and, you know, outreach to students so that they could express these concerns and that they were doing everything they could to make sure that students were having a positive experience. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being on the podcast and chatting with us about your story, Allie. Hopefully we can have you back for a second time sometime soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Finally, we have news reporter Sam Nupp here to discuss his story on the Corridor Business Group and its expansion despite challenges brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic. Welcome, Sam. We are excited to have you on the podcast as a guest today. How is everything going for you? Everything is pretty good. It's falling into place. Good. That's always a good way to put it. And can you start by telling us a little bit about what the Corridor Entertainment Group is and what businesses in the area it oversees? They own several staple bars in Iowa City, like Studio 13, Joystick, Player Sports Bar, Eden, 
and then also Sanctuary as well. And then all of their bars sort of take on a different style. Like Studio 13 is more of an LGBTQ plus bar. And then Joystick is a comedy club. And then Sanctuary sort of takes on an English pub type of vibe. And then Eden is more of a nightclub. And then Players is sort of a sports bar. So they have a wide variety of different options. Yeah, so they're contributing to lots of the different sectors of Iowa City and the extending area nightlife. And what kind of challenges has the company faced throughout the pandemic in these recent years? So when I talked to Jason Zeman, he said the the main thing was having to shut down when the pandemic first hit. And then obviously they had to continue to pay bills despite having no revenue at all. And then also just workers getting sick. He said they haven't been too affected by staffing shortages, but workers getting sick has led to nights where they just haven't had enough staff. And then in that case, he said, we're just honest with customers and they just let them know, hey, your food's going to take a little bit longer tonight. We're a little bit short staffed. And he says that's been one of the ways they've found success during the pandemic is just by being transparent and upfront with people. Yeah, for sure. Makes a good business policy, at least in this case. And what kind of expansion has the company seen since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic impacting Iowa since the spring of 2020? The first thing is they remodeled the Yacht Club and turned it into Joystick Comedy Arcade. And the Yacht Club was more of a music venue, whereas Joystick, they have music aspects. They still have karaoke, but they're also doing um, comedy shows every Monday and Thursday. Those are the open mic nights. And then they bring in acts, both local and national, to perform on the weekends. And then the other one is buying Bell's Basics, which is an LGBTQ plus bar in Cedar Rapids. And... From what Jason told me, he said that's the only one in Cedar Rapids. And so he spoke of the importance of of just having that space where people could just be themselves without fear of judgment. And so those are the two main ways they've expanded over the course of the pandemic. Does the CEO have in mind for the future of the Corridor Entertainment Group as we continue through a new phase of the pandemic and potentially uh, the pandemic ends in the future? Uh, he said he's optimistic for the future. Um, you know, he hasn't, he didn't give me any grand details about what else they plan to do for expansion, but I'm sure they have something in the works. Right now, he seems happy with how his bars are doing. And I think the main focus right now is going to be remodeling Bell's Basics and getting it to where they need for, for their opening, I believe, later this month. Yeah, and our listeners will have to just stay tuned to see what other businesses pop up underneath the Quarter Entertainment Group and what happens with that remodel. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Sam, and chatting with us about your story. We can't wait to have you back sometime soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest campus and Iowa City-related news. Tune in next week for another edition of On the Record.